you know. <clears throat> that was a joke. <laughs> um, it is a privilege to be with you today. Um, to be able to preach this message, um, it was not prepared in the sense of, hey, like we're lining out the dates and lining up these things. It's just kind of how God does things, and it's pretty awesome to see when he brings significant moments and significant days together, not being that it was Mother's Day, that it's Covenant Sunday is what I'm talking about. I want to say, mothers, we're so thankful for you. Meg, you're the best. Love you, babe. But, like, I get the opportunity. You failed. You didn't do it to Logan. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, you already did it. You, you beat me to it. That's what it was. Um, guys, we're going to be in Acts 13. And I want to take a moment to point to the significance of the, what we're going to be looking at is God calling His church to something, God calling out people for a significant task, and we see that here in this passage, and ultimately we see that with even in our church family. I want us to see the coolness of today that, that God has brought this moment together because ultimately like we are here because God called us out to do something. God's called us out to not just be another church, but to be a church that's striving for what God wants in this community. And wants a church that is taking the gospel to this community. Like, I'm, I'm already jumping into point two right now. But like, ultimately, church family. Like, God has set this up today. It's so cool to see. He called out Paul and Barnabas to go and make an impact in Cyprus and to go and take the gospel where it hadn't been. And like, this is like the model for sending out for church planning if you uh, like have studied that in the past. Like, this is the model of what it looks like. And so church, like, this is our model. <laughs> go. Be the church. And so that's what we get today. Like, if we, if there's ever a perfect time to preach this message, it's today, and God lined it up, and I hope you're hearing, like, maybe I need to listen, because this is our story, and this is what God is calling us to as a church family. And so, if you will, we're going to read Acts 13, 1 through 3 first, we're going to go through 1 through 12, but I'm just going to break it up into sections. So, let me pray, and then we'll dive into 1 through 3. God, I ask that you would... Open our hearts to hear from you. Lord, wherever we're at today, whatever we're going through, that we would come here to celebrate you. To celebrate what you're doing. And yes, it's Mother's Day, but God, you were so much bigger. You were so much more important than some holiday that we celebrate. And yes, our mothers are important, and our wives are important, and our kids are important. But God, you are most important. So God, as we spend this time in Your Word today, well, we, would we please, would You please call us out to this mission, to this calling that You're giving Paul and Barnabas. Will we not just sit back, Lord, help us not stay in our seats and be okay with just what is the status quo. But Lord, may You send us out. Lord, convict us today. Lord, show us where You're calling. Lord, show us the goodness of the Gospel. And Lord, send us to go share it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
So point number one today, we're going to see as we read Acts 13, 1 through 3, is that God calls some for a specific purpose. Verses 1 through 3. Now, there were in the church of An- at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene. Yeah, it's Cyrene. It's kind of weird. Most people say Cyrene. It's Cyrene. But Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Set apart for me these two guys. So if you can tell, there's... A worship service, there's gathering and worshiping, there's fasting taking place, and God calls out and says, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, for a mission that I have for them. And I want you to realize that we felt this same calling as a church family. We felt, and there was, it was very clear over a lot of time, but specifically very clear in October of 21? Is it 21? Sure, October of 21, that God was like, yeah, this is what you're supposed to be doing, Joe. And then as God impressed upon us to talk with people and share with what God was calling us to do, others began to sense and feel that same calling. And it came from a time of spending time in God's Word, praying and fasting, saying, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I need answers. Like, I don't know where to turn, but you need to do something. And so God called us out to start this church and confirmed it on our hearts and confirmed it, and here we are today. I want you to see, though, that God calls when we draw in close to here. When we draw in close to here, that's when God speaks. We oftentimes want God just to speak whenever. And like, I'm driving down the road at the, in the, and looking for a parking spot and, oh, revelation, God. No, like, that's kind of not how God works most of the time. It's when we're seeking His face and we're diving into His Word and we're praying and fasting, spending time with Him is when He makes His will clear and evident. While they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work. And I want you to see the emphasis is not how they were told. It's not about this calling moment like the Spirit said this. And the Spirit whispers like this into your ear. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that that's what you're expected to hear. I think God works and calls us in different ways from His Word, from time of people that we trust and wise brothers and sisters speaking truth into our lives. But over time, we can see and sense God's calling as we're seeking His face. And something I want to do here as a church family, I don't know if I've ever even mentioned this, so Seth, I'm sorry for another one. (laughs) But we... um, we were part of a church years ago where we did a thing called Quiet Week. And um, it was ultimately Revival Week, but trying to actually get back to what revival is supposed to be, not like an evangelistic crusade type moment, but like a revival of our hearts. Like we've been struggling. And so like we spent a week where we were like, all right, we're fasting from social media. 
We're fasting from TV. We're fasting from these things. And we're going to gather and pray together as a church family at night and sing some worship songs together. Go home, spend, eat with our family. Just spend quality time. Go to bed. Go to work. Come back the next day and do the same thing. And so, heads up. I plan on us doing that in the fall. Like, that's kind of when we did it uh, when we were in Colorado. And I, I really think it's a special, sweet time where we fast and pray and say, all right, God, What are you saying to us? What are you calling us to? Because oftentimes we get caught up in the routine of life and we're just going, 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 and we never hear from the Lord. We just go and go and go and we never draw in close and say, God, what are you saying? And that's why it's important to come to worship expecting to hear from God because this is us drawing in close, saying, God, we want to hear from You. Lord, speak. Show me what You're saying. Show me what You're doing. But oftentimes, the church service becomes a thing where we show up, we shake some hands, we say, hey, how are you doing? I'm great. Yeah, okay. And then we go home, or we probably go to Mexican. Yes, good job. And then we go home, and that's it. Like, we're missing it if that is what church is for us. Sunday worship is not to come and just hear some songs, participate in the thing that culture does, and then go home. It needs to be us coming in, coming before our God and saying, this is what's going on, Lord, in my life. This is where I'm struggling. This is what I'm asking for. Like, I need you to guide and direct. I want your will. And it's coming before Him and bringing all of our stuff to His feet and saying, even with my hard stuff, Even with the struggles of my life, I'm going to worship you today because you're worthy of it. And I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to let your spirit guide me. And I'm drawing in close. I need to hear from you, Lord. And so, kind of a a thing as a pastor, like, you know, pastors go to conferences and stuff like that. And I heard years ago, and it was one of my favorite things I've ever heard, was when you get a time like that to go away, the question you should be asking if you're going to something is, what is God saying clearly to me from this? Why did He draw me away from my family or from my normal everyday life? Why am I being drawn in? And so that should be even our question today though as we come to worship is, what are you wanting to say to me, Lord? What are you wanting to say? We should draw in and it should be a habit of our lives to listen. But God doesn't just call for us. God calls for the sake of His glory. He says, set apart for me. <laughs> like We miss that. Like I, I've never even caught that until I was studying this week. Set apart for me. God's desire is that He's calling us out, not so that we build and do and get things for ourselves, but it's for His namesake. Set apart. I'm calling you for my glory. I have a plan for your life. Yes. But it's for my glory. Yes. Hear that, church family. Like, we get caught up thinking, calling is like, God, what is your plan for my life? And it's about my life. It's about what I'm going to do. It's about the job I'm going to have. It's about even when we think of Nepal, going to Nepal, we're going to do this in Nepal and do that. Like, I have this plan. Or I'm worrying about this or that. And we forget that this life is not about us, but about Him. 
It's so about Him. The calling of our lives, where we work, where we live, everything that we do is not for us to be satisfied. It's so that He might get glory from our lives. And actually, though, that is where we are going to be most satisfied. That's the cool part. But we mix it up. We get all caught chasing things of this world that only temporary give us joy. When in reality, Psalm 1611 tells us that the fullness of joy is found at Christ's hand, at His side, at His, in His hands are pleasures forevermore. That's where our joy is found. And so if we're seeking stuff that will bring us excitement and joy of this life, it's going to fail us if it's from the world. You will be most satisfied when you're seeking His glory. You will find pleasure that is forevermore. We make it so often about us. And I want you to see though here that God is sending them out to the Gentiles and to the nations. It's about Him taking His gospel to the world. And I really think that God has called this church plant out because we're supposed to be emphasizing that. We've talked about it, and for those of you who are guests, or this is not something like we, we told us, like, look at us, we're so cool. But it's like, we're trying to just be serious about God's Word, but like 50% of our giving goes to mission work. And then 50% of that is going overseas. Like, that is critical to us because we don't exist just so that we can be cool the church of the valley. We exist so that He gets glory to all the nations. And so, with our money, we're saying that. With everything that we have, we're saying it's for Him. And the question we should be asking, what would you have from me, Lord, so that I can sp- spread your glory more? Where are you calling me to go so I can share the Word with others around me? What ministries are needed in this community so that I can spread the love of Jesus and His glory to those around? Not only do we see God call for the nations though too, but we also see God calls leaders to go. God called from within their leadership. There's five men that there are the teachers. So like this is, it doesn't say it, but like these are like the elders probably. The five elders. He sends two of them out. If you're a math person, that's 40% of the leaders. That's not like a winning successful model to lose half of your you know, home run hitters at once. Like... It, but it is. It's God's model. <laughs> and that's what He calls. And I want you to hear this, church. <clears throat> we should be preparing to send out our best. Our goal is not to build a church where we build a building and then we get 200, 300, 400, 800, 1,000, 2,000 people. No. We've said it from the beginning. We want to hit what we think is probably a good size is about 200 and then we're planting another church. We're going to send out some of you. We're going to set apart some of you to go and take the gospel somewhere else. Because we think that's probably the healthy area for us to know everybody, be close to everybody, be able to be the church that we need to be. But at the same time, we want to grow. We want to see the gospel take place and take foot. And, but then we do it somewhere else. We send people and go and make an impact there. That's what we want to see happen. 
It's not about us and our fame. It's not about Church of the Valley being cool. It's about God and his mission going forth. So if it's about him going forth, wouldn't we want to send our best? If it's for him, don't we want to send the best of the best? That only makes sense to me. So what we need to be doing, church family, this is important. This is, like, you might, not be, you might be saying, well, I'm not really the best of the best, so I know he's not calling me right now. Well, like, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, we need to be preparing leaders. We need to be building people up. And so this summer, we're going to begin a, like, elder training process, too. Uh, we're going to start doing, like, this deeper discipleship type thing and, um, where it's, like, training and building up potential elders. <clears throat> I want you to hear that from me because this is what's coming. You'll start hearing it and seeing it a little bit more. But reality is that's the goal is to train up leaders so that we can send out our best so that God gets glory. Second point of today is God calls us to preach the gospel. He calls us out and he calls us to preach the gospel. Acts 13, 4 through 8. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But <clears throat> Elimus, uh, Elimus, it's Elimus, but Elimus the magician, for that is the meaning of his name opposed them, seeking to turn them, turn the proconsul away from the faith. So we see them go. They're sent out to Cyprus. And they, this is really cool to me. And you, you guys are probably sitting there bored already. I get it. I'm not the most eloquent, beautiful speaker ever, and I'm not drawing you in enough. But I want you to hear this. And this kind of just fits this model right here. They weren't doing anything new that they weren't already doing when they were called out. They were just being sent to a new place to do the thing that they were already doing. God called them to preach the gospel just somewhere else. But get how cool this is. They were adamant about it. And I'm going to put up two slides for you here. We put up the first map. Alright, so you all heard they went to Salamis and then... They started here, they sailed here, and then went all the way across to Paphos. So that's Cyprus, where they were supposed to go. I want you guys to see how adamant they were. They hit it all. <laughs> like, they took the island and said, we're going to preach the gospel over the whole island. Tell me that's not just cool. Like, he got, they got called out to Cyprus, and they were like, all right, we're going to do this thing. We're just going to cover it all. We're going to go everywhere and share the gospel. Give me the next picture. I want you to understand Cyprus. This is our current day. This is Lebanon, Syria. But then Cyprus, this area right here, this island, like covered it. Went, covered it. Didn't even just cover it. They covered it and then they went somewhere else and covered some more. And we're going to see that more. But this is what it means. Like, and this is what God was saying to me 
this week as I was preparing, like, we make church about so much that it's not. Paul and Barnabas set out to share the gospel and just went. Like, can we be like that and just cover Hazel Green, New Market, Meridianville with the gospel? Like, can we be a people that are taking the gospel and just sharing and sharing and sharing? The work for God is simple. It's just share the gospel everywhere. We complicate it. We make it so hard. Like, oh, is this really what God's calling us to do? If God is, He's calling us to share the gospel. But we stop and hesitate and say, oh. Church family, when we've been changed by the gospel, we know the good news of what Christ has done when He has changed our souls. When we see that we're freed from our sin and bondage, we should be like pumped about this good news and it should be easy just to go. But man, sin, shame, pride holds us back. Church family, let me say this over and over and over. For us, it's got to be easier than what we make it out to be. Church is not showing up and just putting on a service. Church, and I saw Jeej nodding because they were in Morocco just a couple of weeks ago, and they saw what church is like for overseas and in difficult places. It's just gathering, worshiping together, and going and sharing the gospel. Like, that's what it should be. But we make it about dressing up, looking all good, doing this thing and that, having the right things in order. And I know I, I get particular about stuff, especially... Are we centered or not? You know, like that joking with Ethan right there. But like, it's just stuff like that. It doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, are we worshiping? Are we going? Church, man, may we be like that. May we just go. May we be like Paul and Barnabas and just go. Share the gospel wherever we are. May we be the church. Continually sharing the truth. Continually sharing the goodness of what Christ has done. I want you to think personally, have you shared the gospel lately? Have you had a gospel conversation with someone at work? With a neighbor? We can do all kinds of ministry, but if we aren't sharing the truth of the gospel, we aren't doing God's work. Like, I don't mean that to even sound like, ooh, get you some. Like, no. Like, I'm just saying, like, God's work is the gospel and taking it. We have to be sharing it. And like, if we're to be His church, if we're to sign this covenant, if we are going to be the church that Christ has called out, it's got to be about taking the gospel. And so that's a hard truth for, I think, every one of us in here. Are we sharing? And so we talk about it in our small groups. Are you having gospel conversations? And what this looks like for us is not like, did you go through the whole gospel this week with someone? Like, you better have, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not like that. The goal is to say, are you thinking about being missional in your everyday life? Are you saying, this person is a person I'm trying to share with. I've gotten some information. We're take, we took one step forward. Let's keep going. Let's keep building and building. That's what we mean when we're talking about having gospel conversations. Are we having gospel conversations though, church? Are we? 
Like, ask that of yourself. I can't speak for you, but I know for my own self personally, I can do more. The good news, though, is that it ain't on us. God will prepare the way. God will prepare the way. They were preaching, and it caused this mighty stir up in. uh, They were preaching to the Jews in Cyprus, and it became this big stir up, and it probably got people frustrated, like, why are these guys doing this? They're tearing things up, changing things up. And so the pro-council calls for them in. The pro-council is like the governor of Rome for that area. So he's like the leader, and I'm assuming it's all of Cyprus here. I don't know that 100%, but I'm assuming he's like the one that's over the province of Cyprus. And he asked to meet with them, to hear what they're sharing. And he's probably just doing it to kind of keep peace with the Jews, to see if he needs to arrest these guys, see if he needs to kick them out of the country, whatever it may be. He's called them in for a meeting. And I want you to see the beauty of this. Is God is preparing the way. As we share, He brings us where we need to go. I, like Even thinking about like Nepal. As we started our church like gathering stuff last spring, I was asking, God, where would you call us? What mission work would you call us to be a part of? I had nothing on the table other than I had been to India a couple years ago, and I was like, I like that. That's good. Like, I mean, but I didn't feel like God was saying yes to that. And then go to a lunch meeting with Ethan, where Pradeep's there. And he starts talking about, you know, we're doing this farming thing, and like we're trying to raise funds. And I was like, dude, I'm trying to do this farming thing, and I'm really bad at it, though. And I know a guy that's better at it. So, hey, let me talk you, let you talk to him, and then we'll make this work, you know. But it was so cool to see God brought me to just this lunch meeting to meet Pradeep. And now our church family loves Pradeep. Like, we've met him. We've spent time with him. And there's this, like, we feel called to Nepal and what God's doing there. And it's just cool to see God can bring us to where we need to be. And we're going to look at what he does in the pro-council's life. <clears throat> I want you to see, though, we're going to preach to some who are receptive. And we're going to preach to some who aren't. See, in this moment, they come and they start preaching to a guy that's willing to listen, the pro-council, as they start sharing with him. But there's this dude, Bar-Jesus, Elymas, the magician, he ridiculed him and he fought him. Sergius was receptive. But dude was a jerk. Bar-Jesus was. Church family. We're going to go out. We're going to share the gospel. Some people are not going to be nice. Some people are going to be good. Some people are going to be cool. Some people are going to listen. But it doesn't matter. Like, we've got to go. There may come hate, but we've got to go. And we're going to see God calls us to stand for Him in the face of opposition. Acts 13, 9-12. I am sweating so much today. Forgive me, guys. I feel like I'm swimming. <laughs> <laughs> 9 through 12 read this with me but Saul who was also called Paul filled with the Holy Spirit looked intently at him and said you son of the devil you enemy of all righteousness full of all deceit villainy and villainy will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord and now behold the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time immediately mist and darkness fell upon him and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed 
when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So, I'm about to kind of go rogue here a little bit. God calls us to stand firm, stand for Him in the face of opposition. And so all I'm going to say to you guys is, based upon this passage, confrontation can be okay. Okay? Confrontation can be okay. Paul confronts this magician. He calls him out. (laughs) He kind of goes hard on him. You son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, you keep twisting the way to God. We must be people who stand firm for the truth. Let me say though, we have to be able to read the room. What I mean by that is, this guy deserved he, he deserved it all that Paul brought. Because this guy was coming and saying, what, do, what these guys are preaching is false. You don't need to believe this. This is not from God. He's twisting and turning it. That's what his name meant. It's like to be deceitful. And so he's trying to twist and turn the truth of the gospel. And so Paul calls him out. Like he's evidently an enemy of the gospel. But when I say you need to read the room, is not everyone's just an enemy. When we have conversations with people, we come graciously, bringing the gospel with open hands. We don't need to always go hard in the paint. I don't know if you guys play basketball, but there are some dudes that just don't know how to play a pickup game. They're the guys that have the socks all the way up here, have the stripes around them, have the headband on, and we're out in our driveway. Like, come on, what are you doing? And then they're like, boom! Boom, throwing the bows, you know? It's like, we're playing pickup basketball right now. Like, we don't need this. And then you have to kind of, you know, all right, well, I'll give it back to you. Then here we go, let's go, you know? Like, we don't need to go hard in the pain at the beginning. Like, we are gracious and loving people. But I'll, I'll say we've become soft. We can't handle when someone says something against us. Like, this is our culture. This is America. We don't have to be, like, jerks about it. But the gospel should remind us that we aren't perfect and will mess up. And we don't have to act like we live perfect lives because we know the gospel. We are not perfect. And so our social media should not show that we live a perfect life. And what we've created is in America this idea that everyone is perfect. And so we can't handle anybody calling us out for not being perfect. We've got to be able to receive criticism. Like, this is across the board. Like, we are a people that cannot receive criticism. Like, oh no, don't say that about me. But, when it comes to the Gospel... We need to be a voice within society right now that is telling the truth. Our society and our culture is full of a bunch of lies. And we need to be people of truth. If we don't speak out, who will? And I'm not saying that we need to go and, you know, march up and down the highway or something like that. 
But I'm saying that we need to be a voice. When something is said in front of us, we should confront truth or lies with truth. When someone speaks against God's ways, we should confront it and deal with it and address it, especially when we're taking the gospel forth. And here's the reason why. It's because people's souls are on the line. It's not a simple matter. It's not like if we look at our society right now, our country is running towards hell. Towards just sexual desire and promiscuity and all kinds of junk trying to fill up our lives. And that's our culture now. Our people all around us are running straight to God's wrath. And we've got to realize like that matters. We've got to be a people that speak into it. Paul and Barnabas were not okay with this dude speaking lies because the proconsul's life depended on it. His soul, his eternity depended upon what they did in this moment. And so they said, shut up. Get out of here, you devil. And then not only that, I don't have this power. I'm not an apostle. Don't hear. But he, with the hand of the Lord, causes the dude to go blind. Don't expect that. Let me say that. Like, don't expect you to be able to do This is more of an apostle moment type of thing in Acts. But reality is, we call these things out, church. Like, we are not okay with lies being spit into our friends' ears and the culture spitting lies to the people that we love around us. We've got to be a people who speak and share truth. Give people the truth that... Sin is death. And there is a Savior who has come to take their sin. We've got to be a people that look around and see the hurt and the pain and those dying around us and say, we're not okay with this. I want us to be a church that is so convicted about the loss around us that we are broken over it. Broken over it. Where we're not okay with joking about it. But it just hurts and grieves our souls. We've become soft and we're letting evil take over. And this, while we were on vacation, I saw a video and just, it hurt me. I shared it with Megan. <clears throat> and I've told you guys, like I have a Superman complex type thing where like, if something's happening, I feel like I'm the one that's going to jump in. I've got to jump in and stop this. If it's something like, you know, dumb happening or whatever. This being an example. In, I think it was Ohio. It was a flight from Colorado, or not Colorado, California to uh, Boston, I believe. Um, <clears throat> a guy tried to take over the plane. Anybody see this video? We have one maybe. But dude stands up. You guys, y'all seen the videos of people fighting and getting kicked off of flights and all the drama that happens with that? Well, dude stands up. He starts saying stuff. He starts saying, I'm going to kill everybody, blah, blah, blah. And he's just going off. He's like, wait until we get there. And then he's like, I'm going to take over the plane now. And he, hear me, like, he grabbed a spoon. Dude was crazy, okay. But, like, he grabbed a spoon and was going to take over the plane with the spoon, Okay. But 
it wasn't the fact that like this guy, he ain't gonna be successful at this. He got up though and went down the, the aisle and went and attacked one of the attendants and started get, trying to get to the pilot's section. He tried to like unlock that door or whatever. I don't know what you even have to do to unlock the door now. But he's going for it. And the thing wasn't really the fact that the guy did that that bothered me. It was everybody else. There were two dudes sitting right in front of him that were like, like he's, he's standing up screaming. Everybody's like aware. Person's on the aisle, you know, video. And the person that I'm watching the video of, their video in it. And no one does anything. He walks like eight rows down and attacks the attendant. And no one did anything until he attacked the attendant and then people started coming. That's who we have become as a society. We don't stand up against villainy and evil. We've become soft people like, oh, I'll be put on the news if I stand up and confront this. Like, and it was just a, it broke me. Like, I, Megan and I talked about it for a long time sitting on uh, our porch or whatever, um, in the balcony. And I was just like, I'm frustrated by this. Like, this hurts me. But this is how we are with the gospel. We're soft. And I'm not saying be hard, like go hard in the paint thing like I was talking about. But we give everything we've got to stop what's happening in our world. We give everything we've got to take the gospel, this good news, to people who need it and are dying and going to an eternal death. Church family, are we on fire for taking the gospel forth? Are we pumped and ready to go? Or are we sitting idly by just taking videos as people go into their sin and go and attack people around us and we're just laughing at it and enjoying it? Church family, is that us? May it not be. And being filled with the Spirit, Paul spoke and God blinds this man and when we stand for the truth and we speak truth, people will be changed. And we see it in this mo moment. When someone speaks boldly, the proconsul hears the full story of God and he is changed. If Paul sits idly by and lets this guy just go off, who knows what happens. But Paul was faithful to share. He shut the man down and spoke truth. And the gospel went forth in the proconsul's life. He was changed. And so, church family, the beauty of it is, is that we can experience that as well. We get to experience life change with people. It's not just hard work, go, 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 but we get to experience the joy of new life. Y'all know how excited we get over a birth in our families and things like that? It's the same concept, but even better. Someone comes to new life, is born again. Changed forever. Now a child of God, forever seeing truth and will walk with Him and be with Him in heaven. Another in the fold of God's family. We get to be a part of that. It's not just stopping evil, but it's getting to serve along our King and the joy in that.
church family, may we see the truth of the gospel that Christ rose from the grave, conquering sin and conquering death so that we can go out and share and be excited about it and know He's got our back. All authority is in His hands and He's got it covered. So let's just go. Be the church of the valley and go. May we be known as a church that goes, not just worships on Sunday. May that be the center of our covenant. May that be the center of what Mother's Day means for us. Our families being families that take the Gospel forth. We're thankful for our moms because they love us well, take care of us, but hopefully they're moms that take us to the Gospel and take us to Jesus. Like everything, everything in here, all of us being saturated for the gospel. Church family, let us go. Let us go. I don't know what God's calling. I don't know what He's saying to you today and where He's saying you need to do this or that. Submit and go. Let me pray. God, I thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. May we be like Paul and Barnabas who were called. May we be a people that are called out Share your good news. And the great commission you've given us a calling, may we go. Lord, maybe though you've put us in this nation at this time to stand firm for truth. Help us be people that do that. Help us not sit idly by as the world around us is being drawn into sin, being drawn into death. Lord, call out your church to be the church here in Meridianville, in Hazel Green, in Newmarket. Lord, we ask that you would get the glory. Not us, not Church of the Valley. May we never be known. May Jesus be known. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Church family, we're going to have